There's three keys to living a victorious Christian life. And the last two Sundays, I've been preaching on those. I'll give you the first two keys, and I'll give you the last key this morning, and we'll, we'll study it out together. The first key that we studied uh, a couple Sundays ago was for a victorious Christian life. And what I mean by that is getting the victory. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we get the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's one thing to be saved. If you're in here this morning, you need to be saved. You need to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's first and foremost. What does saved mean? That means you get you out of, it gets you out of hell. It's not just going to heaven. That's one of the benefits of it, but it saves you. You're saved. In other words, you were going somewhere that was destruction. You were going to hell. Now Jesus Christ has saved you. Saved you from your sins. Saved you from those sins that are going to send you to hell. You, first off, you need to be saved. But Jesus promised once you're saved... I'm going to give you life, and I'm going to give it to you more abundantly. That's a great promise. Now, if you're in here this morning, you say, I, uh, Pastor, Brother Keegan, I believe I'm saved. I have bowed and prayed and asked Jesus Christ to save me, and I believe I've gotten a witness in my heart that I am saved. Now, if you can say that, praise God. But maybe you could go further and say, but I don't know if I have the victory. I still feel like I sin a lot. I still feel like I've got these sins in my life. I feel like I'm fighting this and I'm fighting that. Sometimes I don't feel right, I don't feel good. There's th different things going on. This is what this is about. How to get the victory. How to get the victory in Jesus Christ. What we found out a couple of Sundays ago is that you've got to live. The first key to victory is living a life of reckoning. Reckoning. The Bible says there in Romans 6 that you've got to reckon yourself dead to sin. Now that's a life of exchange, not change. You've got to reckon yourself to dent, to, you're dead to sin. What does the Bible say about that? That means simply this, that you're dead. Keegan, the old Keegan is dead. Now I'm a new creature in Jesus Christ. I'm dead. The old Keegan is dead. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm a new creature. I was dead. I was a child of the devil, but now I'm a child of the king. Now God's my Father. I'm alive. I'm born again. You need to reckon yourself to be dead under that sin. Christ has delivered you from that sin. You're no longer under that bondage. Listen, guys, you're not, it's not a life of change. It's not like I was like this, and now I'm going to change and be like that. God doesn't want you to change. You can't change. If you could change, Jesus Christ would have came down, he would have showed you how to live it, and he would have looked at you and said, good luck, boys, and he would have took off up into heaven. Hope you make it. See you up there if you can make it. No, he knows we can't make it. He went to the cross to die for you so you can go to heaven. That's the whole point. It's not a life of change. You're not changing from being a bad person to being a good person. You're not changing this sin to get, trying to be good. What it is is a life of exchange. God has took Jesus Christ's life, his righteousness, and he's put it for your life and your sinfulness. So it's a life of exchange. It's like I'm no longer going to be kicking. I'm going to be in Jesus Christ. It's a life of reckoning you're dead to sin, meaning that now no longer am I alive. Jesus Christ is in me living it for me. It's a life of reckoning. It's a life of exchange, not change. The second thing we found out, this was last Sunday. It's a life of yielding. The second key to victory, it's a life of yielding. It means that you need to yield yourself to Jesus Christ. Now that you know this, there's two natures in you. Are we still sinners in here? Amen. We're still living in this flesh. But the point is, is that we got the flesh that you can see 
But inside me is Jesus Christ. There's two natures to me. Now there's the old man, the flesh, and now there's the new man, the spirit. And they, the Bible says they war against each other. And the life of yielding is simply this. is saying, when you come to a point in your life, you say, I'm going to back off and I'm going to let Jesus Christ go. What was it that you sent me, Toby? You sent, he sent me this thing where it said this. <laughs> we don't need Jesus Christ to take the wheel. We need him to pull over and pull his flip-flop off and spank us. I think it's what... <laughs> so many people think they're going to let Jesus Christ ride as a co-pilot. Or Jesus, but he, Jesus Christ is not your co-pilot. Jesus Christ is the leader. He's the pilot. He's the driver. So it's a life of yielding saying, when I come to something, I'm not going to allow my flesh to take over. I'm going to yield. I'm going to back off. I'm going to allow Jesus Christ to go. I'm going to allow him to work. I'm going to allow him to do it. You're allowing Jesus Christ to do it through you. This is simply put this way. This is not a life of suppression. It's a life of expression. It's a life of expression, not suppression. What I mean by that is you're not over here as a sinner saying, okay, i got to stop doing this, i got to stop doing that, i got to slow down and do that. No, it's not a life of suppression. It's a life of expression. It's like I'm not going to stop hating. I'm going to allow God to love. I'm not going to stop not forgiving. I'm going to allow Jesus Christ through me to give me the power to forgive. Whatever sin it is, whatever, whatever you need to do, you're not trying to suppress something so you can do it. You're allowing Jesus Christ to express out of you. Christian in here, it's not enough to not hate. Listen to me, Christian. It's not enough not to hate. You've got to be producing fruit. You've got to be loving. Ooh, getting quiet in here. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Pray. Amen, Brother Keegan. It's not enough not to hate Christian. God, doesn't, God didn't create you. God didn't save you to sit on the couch and do nothing for him. God created you. God saved you to do good works. But you're not the one doing the good works. Jesus Christ in you is doing them. You must yield. Brother uh, Ingeseth had it as let go and let God. Y'all remember that? Let go and let God. You got to let go. You got to say, you know what? I can't do it, but Jesus Christ, you in me can. It's a life of expression, not suppression. Now look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. We're going to look at the last key. The last key is living a life of believing. Three keys to victory. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. That's the life of reckoning. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I'm crucified with Christ. I'm crucified. My life is crucified. That old man is crucified. He's dead. I reckon that he's dead to sin. That's that life of reckoning that I'm talking about. I am crucified with Christ. Christ said, Jesus Christ said, if you're going to follow me, pick up your cross daily. Deny yourself. It's that life of crucifixion. Guys, as a Christian, there's times we're going to have to tell this flesh, no, it's crucified. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm a crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. It's a life of yielding. It's a life that Jesus Christ is living in me, and I'm yielding to him, and he's working it out of me. I reckon that I'm dead. It's a life of reckoning. It's a life of yielding. I'm yielding to Christ because he's living it out of me. Nevertheless, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. 
See those keys? Those are two of the three keys. Now the final key is found now. And the life which I now live in the flesh, and we're all still in the flesh until Christ takes us home, the life that, which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's a life of believing. You must live a life of reckoning, reckon yourself dead to sin. You must, you must live a life of yielding, yielding to God, allowing him to work through you, producing the fruit. You can't do it, but he can through you. And finally, it's a life of believing. A life of believing. Which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Dear Heavenly Father, come to you humbly, Father God. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will lead us, guide us, direct us this morning. Lord, move among us, Lord. And I pray, Father, if somebody in here that's lost, Lord, they'll come on down and get saved. And Father, I pray if there's a Christian in here that truly wants to change, Lord, that they want to have that exchange, Lord. They truly want to start living through you, Lord God, and having you live through them, Father. I pray, Lord God, you bless them, Lord. Give them the the, the strength to do it, Lord God. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would show them these truths out of your word, Lord God. And Father, I pray, Lord, you'd bless them. And Lord, I thank you for your love, your grace, Lord. It'd be all right with us, Lord, if you'd just come back in these services, Lord, and come back and take us. Take us on home with you, Lord. We're looking forward to you coming back, Jesus. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. So you see there in verse 20, there's those three keys to victory. They're found right there. A life of reckoning, a life of yielding, and finally, a life, a life of believing. That's uh, believing all Christ promises that he can do this through you. It's, enough to, it's not enough just to know it. You've got to believe it. You've got to believe that he can do it. And it takes, that's why it's, uh, it takes some of us Christians like me that have been Christians for years and years. It takes us a long time to get a hold of this, start realizing it, because we have to experience it. We've got to live it. We've got to live it. We've got to live it. Well, I'm here to tell you, I've lived it, and it works. Allow him to work through you. You say, Brother Keegan, I can't forgive that person. Or Brother Keegan, I can't do that. Or Brother Keegan, I can't stop doing that. I know you can't. I couldn't either. But Jesus Christ in you will do it. He can do it. Look at Galatians chapter 5. We're in Galatians. Turn a couple of pages to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. So this is this life, this life of yielding. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. This life of yielding he's about to talk about. Because what it is, is you're not doing the work, and I talked about this last Sunday, and I don't want to keep hammering home on it. You're not doing the work. You're allowing Jesus Christ to do the work through you. When you allow your flesh to work, that's all those sins start manifesting out. But when you allow Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit to work through you, it produces all that stuff that the Lord God wants you to produce. Look at verse 22. Galatians 5, 22. This is that life of yielding. But the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit, not of the flesh, of the Spirit. That's capital S, Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is this, love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness, goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. There's nine of them there. Against us, there is no law. When you allow Jesus Christ to manifest out of you, when you allow Jesus Christ to, to use you, to work out of you, that's the kind of fruit that will be produced, love and joy and peace. You want peace, Christian? Allow Jesus Christ to give it to you. Allow him to work out of you. This goes against everything that's in you. I know that. Because all this stuff is spiritual. Because, see, we live in the flesh. We're over here living in the flesh, and we're all about work, work, work. Do, do, do. We've got to do this. We've got to do it. We've got to stop doing this and stop doing that. We gotta, and Christ, is, it's all about spiritual. It's like, why don't you just sit here, stand, yield, and allow me to do it for you. 
Why does God do that? Because, see, when you stand here and you don't do anything and you allow Jesus Christ to work through you, who gets all the glory? You don't get none of it. You're just, it's Jesus Christ. That's why we don't, that's why some of us don't like it. We want to be able to go, oh, God, you got a good deal with me. When you save me, you got a really good deal. Look how good, all the good works I'm doing and everything. No, I don't work that way. Because I'm doing it through you. I'm producing it through you. I'm producing the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Verse 24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. That's that yield of rec- that life of reckoning. That's that life of reckoning, saying, I reckon I'm dead to sin. I reckon this old body's dead. I don't have to live this way. I'm not under bondage anymore. I have a right, and Jesus Christ through me can do whatever he wants to do. It's a life, a crucified life. Notice verse 25, though. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That's that life of believing. It's not enough to talk about it, brothers and sisters. You've got to believe it and live it. I see so many Christians talk the talk. I seen this girl get out of a car this week. And I couldn't tell if it was a girl or a guy, honestly. She was dressed just like a guy. And the only reason I could tell she was a girl because she had a sports bra on. But she got out, she, she was dressed like a guy, she talked like a guy. And she got out of that car, and she was cussing one of these guys I know up and down, calling him every name you could call him, book, just screaming and hollering at him and cussing him and everything. And she had her friend with her, and I think that they were more than just friends. This other girl was with her. It is Pride Month. She had her friend with her, and she was cussing, blah, 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 blah. And I remember sitting there just like this, you know, like when you work for a civil entity or for the government, you just got to take it, you know. I guess if I worked at Walmart, I would do something mean to them. But when you work, you know, you can't do anything. You got to sit there and take it. And I remember I was sitting there just taking it, and I looked down, and on her calf, she had, she had written on the back of her calf, calf, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That was tattooed on her calf. And I was sitting there staring for a while, and I thought, uh-oh, if I not keep staring, she might think that, you know, something's up. I, I don't mean, it's just, I was dumbfounded. Oh, she's talking the talk. Oh, tattoo that on the back of my... But whenever something happens, she's out there just uh, cussing and uh, screaming, and she didn't look like she was living any kind of Christian. I would have never dreamed she was a Christian. I don't know if she is. Oh, she's talking it. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Y'all guys know this. There's lots of people that talk, but there ain't a lot of people walking. Christians, it's high time to stop talking about it and start walking it. Believing it. Believing it is walking it. Look at verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You want to stop doing those sins? You want to stop having that bondage you're in to sin? You want to get the victory? Well, you need to start walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. So if you're anything like me, the first thing I do, when I read verse 16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know what's the first thing that comes to my mind? How do you do that? How do you walk in the Spirit? Amen? Think about it. Spirit, spiritual. That's something you can't see. That's something you can't touch. How do you walk in that? Now, if it said, if you'll do this and you'll do that, if you'll go climb the mountain, if you'll feed the poor, if you'll do... No, it don't say anything about works. It just says walk in the Spirit. 
So turn to Colossians chapter 2 and let's figure out how we must walk, how we walk that way. Colossians chapter 2, turn to the right. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. So if, we're, if we need to start walking it and stop talking it, how do we do that? Well, the Bible's going to show us. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Look at verse 6. Let's read it together. As ye, he's talking to, Paul's talking to everybody here. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Are you walking in yourself? No. You're walking in who? In Jesus Christ, right? So the question goes back to, how did you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? Well, I'll tell you how you should have received him. You received him by faith. You received him by putting your faith in him, right? Amen. That's how you received him. You received him. You said, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. You prayed somewhere. You received in your heart. You believed in Jesus Christ was going to save you, and you received him. That's how you received him. You received him by faith, by believing. So walk ye in him. So walking is simply believing. It's living a life that you believe that Christ is working through you. It's believing that you're, reckoned, you're, you're, you're believing that you reckoned your sin is dead, your body is dead unto sin. You're dead unto sin. You're believing you're yielding that Christ is working through you to produce that fruit. Well, you've got to believe this. You've got to live a life that shows that you believe that. What do I mean by that? I mean that whenever you can't stop a sin, whatever that might be, or whatever problem you're having in your life, stop trying to fix it and get down on your knees and say, Lord, I can't do it, but I know you can through me. Please help me, Lord Jesus. I can't forgive them, but Lord, forgive them for me. Do it through me, through your Holy Spirit. I can't do it. I'm yielding to you. You pray like that. You walk like that. You believe like that. And God will work through you like that. Amen. I know we, sometimes we don't want to do it because we don't want to admit that we can't do it. We want to think, I can do it. I know I can do it. I can, I can do this. If I can just, I, it's not a life of suppression. I need to stop doing this. I need to stop doing that. I need to stop being hateful. I, need, I know that's how we think. That's how we live. But the Bible says don't live a life of suppression. Allow Jesus Christ to express himself through you. Stop saying, I got to stop doing this. Say, Lord, I don't, I'm not worried about hate. Lord, I want to love. Show me, give me the love for them. I've had that, man. I've had people that there's no way in the world I was ever going to love them. <laughs> no way. And we're talking about other Christians. Y'all think I'm talking about some... <laughs> I'm other Christians. I'm like, I hate that Christian, Lord. In my heart, I hate them. I don't like them. If I had to be in heaven, Lord, put me on the other side of heaven. I don't want to be in heaven with that Christian. I hate that Christian. And the Lord in me gave me the power to love them. Now, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't like, oh, Keegan got to be a better person. No, I didn't. I didn't change. There was a life of exchange. I exchanged that hate I had for them for, and allowed the Lord to love them through me. You know what happened? My life got better. My life got better. You know what happened? When I prayed, my prayer life was better. For some reason, the Lord was happier with me when I didn't hate people. And I was allowing Him to work through me. Look at verse 7. Rooted and built up in him. In who? In Jesus Christ. See all this in him, in him? Walk ye in him. Rooted and built up in him. It's all about Jesus Christ and what he's doing through us. Established in the faith. There's that believing. As ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. 
See, our root is not feeling. The root of salvation is not feeling. It's faith. So what I'm trying to say this morning is, this, this is a life of believing, not feeling. It's a life of believing, not feeling. Guys, you're not always going to feel that the Lord's working out of you. You're not, always, you're not always going to feel that Jesus Christ is in you, the hope of glory. See that in verse chapter 1, verse 27, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You're not always going to feel like Christ is in you. When I'm at Walmart and I have that, if I ever have one of those buggies, I'm at Walmart and I see those people. And I mean, that's not Christ in me when I want to run them over and call them bad names and cut. That's not Christ in me, right? I, if, if Christ was in me, working in me, like I should have yielded and allowed him to, I would back down and say, yeah, you go first. Gentleness, goodness, long-suffering. They bump into me and yell, their kids are all screaming. I just want to pick up their kid and spank them and everything. It's like, no, yield, yield, Lord. You want to love gentleness, goodness, joy, that spirit? It's a life of believing, not feeling. Can you say this morning that every time you wake up in the morning, you feel like Christ is in you, working in you? Man, don't lie. We're in church. Don't say yes. Don't say that you always feel Christ is in you. Don't say yes. Please don't say yes, because then we'll have to, the Catholic brethren will have to come and make you a saint, and we'll have to start praying to you. <laughs> the truth is, no, you're not. You don't, if you're honest with yourself. You don't always feel right. You don't always feel spiritual. You don't always feel Christ moving in you, but that doesn't change anything about the truth. And believing he's in you is different than feeling he's in you. Don't try to live a life of feeling. If you think Christianity is all about feelings, oh, I feel good, and I feel this way, and I feel that way, you're going to be sorely disappointed. <laughs> sorely disappointed. This life is a life of believing. No matter what, you believe. You believe. You believe. Hey, when those storms come... Here in Texas, we see them, well, we, need them, we just need to see them a little more now, but when those storms come and we see that, that, that dark clouds start rolling in and the high winds and the heavy rain, and that sometimes, I mean, we've had it go on for days here, right? I've never, ever had somebody come to me and say, you know, I hadn't seen the sun in two days. The sun don't exist. I've never had anybody say that to me. The sun, it just, it don't exist. Why? I don't see it. It's been two days, raining, dark clouds. The sun don't exist. Nobody says that. Why? Because they know that the sun is there and it's coming. Christian, when those storm clouds come into your life, and they will, listen to me, Christian, if it hasn't happened yet, it will. Storms will come into your life, those high winds, those stormy clouds. You know where Jesus Christ is at in your life? He might be down at the bottom of the boat sleeping. Amen? Y'all read your Bible? The disciples were out there. The storms were rolling. And the sea and the waves were rolling. They were afraid they were going to topple over and drown. And they're like, where's Jesus? He's down there taking a nap. They go down. Lord, we're about to drown. Lord, don't you care? We're about to drown. Lord, we're about to drown. He said, you have little faith. He gets up. What's Jesus? He gets up and says, be, be calm, be still. And it's like a plane of glass. You know what the disciples said? You are the Son of God. When those storms come into your life, and they will, Christian, 
and it looks like there's no sun. There's no sun. The sun's still there. The S-O-N is still there. The worst, they've made movies about the perfect storm. They've made movies about tornadoes. The very worst storm you can imagine, the very worst storm you could ever dream of, you could ever read of, you could ever study of, any kind of storm like that you've ever heard of or seen of, at the end of every storm, at the end of every storm, the sun shines. The sun will shine. S-O-N. The sun will shine, Christian. Let him shine. Let him shine. He hadn't given up on you. He's there. I know you feel like I know you feel like, well, the Lord, where's he at? Just believe. Just believe. Just believe. Don't be like them Christians in the middle of their storm and the Lord has to come to them in the middle of the night and say, oh, ye of little faith. The Lord wasn't happy with them. The Lord was kind of disappointed. Like, Why are you waking me up? Why are you waking me up? Okay, I'll take care of it. Be still, be calm. That's our Lord. We have a Lord that always is shining. We might not see it, but he's shining. Let him shine. Let him shine. Turn to John chapter 15. Gospel of John chapter 15. Now let's see Jesus Christ talk about this. It's a life of reckoning. It's a life of yielding. It's a life of believing. Those are the three keys to victory. You want the victory in your life, Christian? You've got to yield to, you got to live a life of reckoning, of yielding, and believing. This is one of the most beautiful truths of Christianity. Because if you've been in here like me as a young Christian, I'm like, I can't stop doing this. I can't stop this sin. I can't, I just, I, this, these horrible problems, these sins in my life. And then one day to find out, well, I don't have to stop. The Lord could do it for me. He'll fight it for me. He'll get the victory. The victory is through Jesus Christ, not through us. In chapter 15, Christ tells his disciples this. At the end of his ministry, Christ, before he's about to be crucified, before he's about to be betrayed, he has them up there and he's talking to them. And look what he says in John chapter 15. Gospel of John chapter 15, start at verse 1. Look what he says. I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. He says, I'm the vine, the true vine. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. You're a branch, and Christ wants to see fruit off of you. The Father wants to see fruit. This goes back to what I said at the very beginning of this message. God wants to see you doing some good works through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ wants to do it through you. That's what he wants to see. That's what he wants to do. He expects it. He doesn't want to come up to the tree and find it fruitless. You know what Jesus Christ did to the fig tree? He saw a fig tree and he said, well, I'm going to go and give me a, fig, a fig off that tree. And he walked over there and there were no figs on the tree. You know what Jesus Christ said? Cursed be ye. And they walked on and they kept on going to where they are going. They're coming back and one of the disciples says, Lord, look at that tree. It's already withered. You know what Jesus Christ told a parable? He said there was a parable of this tree and it wouldn't produce fruit. And the husbandman said, let me cut it down. I'm going to cut it down. Just cut down that tree. It's worthless. It's not producing fruit. And the keeper of the garden says, nay, Lord, give me another year to dig around it, to put dung around it, to fertilize it, and let's see if it'll produce fruit. And if it doesn't produce fruit after that year, then you can cut it down. That's a scary parable, brothers and sisters. 
You know what that parable says? If you're a fruit tree and God's expecting fruit and he doesn't see fruit, he's coming around looking to cut you down. That parable represents the Holy Spirit coming into a person's life. He says, let me just put some dung around it. You ever feel like your life's got a bunch of horse manure in it? You're like, man, my life's not, it's just falling apart. It's, maybe the Lord's working in your life trying to get you to get, help him produce some fruit. He wants to produce fruit. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. I didn't say that. That's the Lord Jesus Christ saying that. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. He cuts it up. He tries it, trims it up that it may bring forth more fruit. And when, you're, when he's doing fruit through you, guess what? He's going to produce more through you. He's going to, he's going to expect more. Verse 3, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. When are you clean? Now you're clean. How are you clean? Through the word. Christian, you want to be clean? Stick in this book. Read this book. Study this book. Study these words. Jesus Christ says, Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot, 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 underline it, the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you except ye abide in me. Abide is to dwell, it's an abode. What he's saying is, you gotta, I'm in you, and I'm working through you, and you can't do nothing without me working through you. You're just the branch. I'm the vine. I'm the one the nutrients come in. You're just a branch, and the nutrients are going to come through that branch. It's going to produce that grape or the, 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 the cluster of grapes. I'm going to produce that fruit. You're nothing more than a branch, and a branch can't produce it by itself. If you cut the branch away from the vine, it's going to wither up, and it's going to be worthless. You've got to abide in Christ. You've got to allow Him to work through you. He's producing the fruit through you, Christian. You're not doing it. Verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Look at the end of verse 5. For without me you, ye can do nothing. Well, I think I'll just try to do this and I'll try to do that. Christians, stop trying to do it. Without Christ, you can't do it. But in Christ, you can do it. Because he's doing it for you. What's he say there at the end of verse 5? Without me, ye can do nothing. Amen? It's not a life of suppression. It's not a life of trying to not do this and try to change this way. It's a life allowing Jesus Christ to express himself through you, to work through you, to be the vine, and you're just a branch, and you're allowing him to produce the fruit through you, the spirit that's in you to produce that fruit for you. For without me, you can do nothing. But in Jesus Christ, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ working through you. Christian, when you're born again, when you, you get saved, Christ starts dwelling in you and abiding in you, and now from there from that moment on, he wants to produce fruit out of you. That's what he's trying to do, and that's what Christ is showing us there. In verse 5, look at verse 6. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Now, now, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, I'm lost, I'm going to hell. 
Remember, it's, the, it's not angels gathering together, it's men. What he's talking about right there in verse 6 is he's saying if you don't abide in him and allow him to work through you, you're worthless. And you're worth nothing down here on this earth. We got a lot of Christians that are worthless. Amen. Then they're not allowing the Lord to do anything through them. So let me close out by saying this. It's a life of believing. It's not feeling. Look at verse 2 again. Look up at verse 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth much fruit. It's a life, much more fruit. It forth more fruit. It's a life, it's believing that the Lord is watching you. Produce fruit or not produce fruit. It's a life of believing. Do you know the Lord's in here watching us right now? Everyone in here right now, he's watching us. He's watching what you did last week. He's going to watch what you do next week. He's going to watch what you do after church, before church. He's watching you. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3, the Bible says the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Every place. Wherever you go, whatever bar you go to, Walmart, Brookshire Brothers, whatever grocery store you go to, convenience store, whatever you do behind closed door, whatever you do where nobody's watching you, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. You've got to believe that, Christian. You've got to believe that he wants to work through you. You've got to believe that. Look at verse 3. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. You've got to believe the Lord wants to clean you. Secondly, you've got to believe the Lord wants to clean you. Now ye are clean. Can you clean yourself? No. But the Lord wants to clean you. you got to believe, Christian, if you get anything out of this service this morning, get this, and we're closing up, but get this, please get this. you got a Father that loves you. I'm not talking about a God. Yes, He is God. He just happens to be the creator of this whole universe, but now He's your Father. He's a Father that loves you. You're not approaching a God or a father sitting on a throne of condemnation. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to show this to you because some of you, just, unless you see it with your own eyes, you might not understand it. You've got to see it. You've got to believe it, man. You've got to believe it. Because I'm here to tell you, and you all know this to be true, you're going to mess up, Christian. You're going to fail. You're going to mess up. You're not going to produce fruit. You're going to produce the works of the flesh. You're going to do things you shouldn't do because you're going to let your flesh get the better of you. You're not going to yield. You're not going to reckon. You're not going to believe. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall. You're going to stumble. You're going to make mistakes. And you've got to believe that when you're trying to get right with God and, and trying to repent of that, you've got to believe that when you're approaching God the Father, that He's not sitting on the throne of condemnation, that God the Father's sitting on the throne of grace. Look at verse 16. Hebrews 4, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Praise God. You ever, you need, I have times of need. And when I make mistakes, and I do every week, every day of the week I make mistakes, and I get down on my knees and I approach God through prayer, through his throne. I'm not approaching a father that's got his hand out going like this. You're approaching a father that says, come on unto me. I want to show you mercy. I want to clean you up. I want to show you grace. I want to show you love. We got the best father. 
I don't know why any man, any man, any common sense man would ever want to call some priest that's wearing a collar backwards a father. I don't know why you would want to do that. God, you know, Jesus said not to do that. You got one father. He's up in heaven. He says, see it says there, come boldly to the throne of grace. You know something about my son? My son's sitting in here this morning. It's something about my son. When he comes over to my house, you know what he does? He don't knock. He just comes in the house. He doesn't live with me anymore. He hasn't lived with me in years and years and years. He just walks, walks right on in. You know, I'm like, what, what? Why does he do that? Because he's my son. And he knows he's approaching the house of grace that says, come on in. Whatever's mine is yours. Come on, grab something to eat. Grab something to drink. Come on in here. I want to see you. That's the father. Now, if I'm wicked and I have that kind of heart, how much more the Father loves you? Look at 1 John chapter 1. Keep on turning to the right. We're, we're going towards the back, and I'm going to close. 1 John chapter 1. He wants to cleanse you. You've you got to believe He wants to cleanse you. You've got to believe He's not mad at you. Guys, we make mistakes. We're living in flesh. He knows that. He, he's not mad at you. He wants to clean you. He wants, to, he wants to make you right. He wants to work through you. But if you're going to be obstinate, and you're not going to be a good child, and you're not going to produce fruit, and you're not going to try to produce fruit, man, you got, you're walking on thin ice. Verse 9, if we confess, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God. Just confess them. Lord, I can't do it. There's no way I can do it, Lord. I'm sorry I shouldn't have done that, Lord. I shouldn't have been that way. Will you please help me? Will you please work through me? And the Lord Jesus Christ will start working through you. And you'll be amazed how your heart will change, how your mind will change, how your spiritual walk will change. Finally, in 1 John chapter 5, if you'll turn there, I'll, I'll close. I promise we're closing. 1 John chapter 5. I appreciate hearing all the pages turning in the church. It tells me people that want to find out the truth are not just going to take my word for it. They're going to look for it themselves. The Bible says that you're more noble than other Christians. The Bible says a noble Christian looks up and studies and looks at Scripture to see if those things be so. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Are you born of God? I am. I'm a born-again believer in Jesus Christ because I simply put my faith in Him and now He's my Father and I'm His Son. Praise God. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. We've, over, we've overcome it, guys. We've got the victory already. It's not like you're striving and you're hoping. You've got the victory. Just allow Jesus Christ to work through you. You've got the victory. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Faith is a victory. When all else falls, when all else fails, when, every, when the storms of clouds and rain and wind come into your life, when all else fails, faith is a victory. Lord, I can't see you, but I know you're working. Lord, I can't understand it, I know you're working. Lord, I know I'm a sorry, no good, rotten sinner. I shouldn't be saved, but Lord, I know you're working through me, and I believe it, Lord, and keep on working. And I believe I'm saved. And I'm going to heaven. And my faith is the victory. Look at verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world? Hey, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. 
Amen. You know, uh, I, I've been preaching on faith, 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 faith. You know, the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please Him. You got to have faith. You got to have faith to believe, to get saved. You got to have faith to keep. You got to have faith to have Jesus Christ working through you. It takes faith. It takes faith to get saved. It, stay, it takes faith to stay a good Christian, have the Lord working through you. It takes faith through all of this. And one of my favorite verses in the Bible is found in Mark chapter 9, verse 24. So the Lord's asking this guy, and he's asking him if he believes. And this is what this guy says in Mark chapter 9, verse 24. I quote it to myself all the time. I quote it in prayer. I, I quote it to the Lord Jesus Christ in my prayers all the time. Because I'm down here and I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, I know I need to reckon myself dead. I know I need to yield. I know I need to believe, Lord. <laughs> but I'm a sorry, no good sinner. I know I need to believe, Lord. And I know how my mind works. I know how my heart works. I know what the world tells me. I know what some of my friends tell me. They think I'm stupid. They think I'm a moron. They think I'm an idiot. I think I'm, I'm just believing some false God. That does. I know all this, Lord, and I know you're not right there for me to physically see because we walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And I'm saying all this in my prayer, and there's this one thing I say. I say it all a lot. And I quote this verse, Mark chapter 9, verse 24. I say this a lot, and this is what, I, what this man said to Jesus Christ. He said, Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. We're in the flesh. I believe, but Lord, there's, help me with my unbelief. Man, what a prayer. What a thing to say. Because you're going to walk out this door and the world's going to tell you every way not to believe. The internet, the news, they're going to try to convince you not to believe. And there's times you're going to have to get down on your knees and you're going to say, Lord, I don't see you. I don't physically feel you. I don't have the feeling that you're there. But I'm not living by feeling. I'm living by faith, Lord. Help me to believe, Lord. I believe. But Lord, help my unbelief. See where it goes? It always goes back to Jesus Christ doing it for you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray, Father, if there's somebody beneath the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father, we're about to give an invitation, Lord. They'll just come on down here and get saved. It's just that simple, Lord. I pray they would get saved, Lord God. It's the best decision I ever made, Lord God, and you're the best thing that ever happened to me, Father. And I thank you on this Father's Day, Lord God. We've got good fathers in here, Lord, that that are good family men, Lord God, that love their family, trying to keep them in church, Lord God, try to go to church, try to find out more about you, Lord, and I thank you for them, Lord, and I thank you that they stand with the truth and they stand with your book, and I thank you for them, Lord, and I pray a special blessing on them, Lord God, and I pray, Father, if there's any Christian underneath the sound of my voice that's fighting that fight of sin, Lord God, that's fighting their flesh, Lord God, that you would give them these keys of victory, Lord, you've given us out of your word, Lord God, that we need to live a life of reckoning, a life of yielding, and a life of believing, Lord. Lord, we believe, but help us our unbelief, Lord God. We thank you, Father, Lord Jesus, that you work through us and you work for us. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's have an invitation, brother. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight... Do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, 
These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you, and until next time. Casting all your care upon Him.